I'm laughing out loud as I greet you today. This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, because today's lesson is be not anxious. <laughs> don't you think that's quite funny? I don't know about you, but I feel very anxious right now. And then I could tell you that I have a lot of reasons to be anxious. Uh, recently, um, we've had a diagnosis in our family which was not good news. Physical illness can never um, be welcomed with excitement, but we know how God is in it. And today's lesson is a continuation in the Sermon on the Mount found in the passage of Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. Now, when I read this to you, I think you will agree. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and body and clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to its lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you? Oh, men, women of little faith, do not be anxious in saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we clothe ourselves? For these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has trouble of its own. I remember the first time that I taught this lesson as clearly as if I had done it yesterday, and it really must be 15 or 18 years ago. I had been traveling and speaking a lot in those years. Uh, every city, major city in America, every state in America, I had been overseas teaching. I was teaching a lot and traveling a lot and loved every bit of that phase of my life. And I got to the Sermon on the Mount's teaching and was led to this passage, and I read through it aloud about three times. And I, I laughed out loud 
like, I'm going to laugh out loud when I do this because it was so comical to me. Remember what anybody who has learned how to teach God's word, seminary students abroad, those of you who have had seminary, you're going to laugh out loud too. Because as I read it, I thought, you know what Jesus' three-point outline was? One, be not anxious. Two, be not anxious. Three, be not anxious. I don't know that he had a poem at the end, but his outline was so clear to me that it was be not anxious. So I'm going to look at the pieces of this passage of scripture, which is about one third of Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. Be not anxious, be not anxious be not anxious. Now, it's been a while ago since we started teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe you're just getting into it with us right now. So I'm going to pause for a minute and say what he asks at the end of this passage, therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you believe that? Jesus weaves in this portion of the sermon his philosophical and practical truths. All through the sermon, he touches absolutely everything that is pertinent to us today. Money, material, worldliness, anxiety, defeat, fear, love, clothes, eating, money, anything that you want to talk about, it's addressed in this passage. And he always tells us that obedience and sacrifice are a way of our life. Seek ye first God. In all things, make him number one. Make him know that you have chosen him to be first. So today, I'm going to start with the first, be not anxious. In three places, verse 26, verse 31, and verse 34, be not anxious. But look what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, God in fear or God in anything else. Take no thought, have no anxiety, do not worry, be not anxious. Be not anxious. I I really, it's comical to me, it's amusing to me. And yet when I get past the I need to have three points and they should not be the same word. I recognize that God is simplified all of those questions. What we eat, what we drink, what we clothe, how we depend on him. He just simply says, be not anxious. You cannot serve two masters. Take no thought. Have no worry. Don't be anxious. Be not anxious. Taste and see that God is good. God is God. God is good. And God has given us the good news. There's plenty to be anxious about. There's plenty to be anxious about. There's so many things that if I started a list, the market's doing okay right now. But what else? There's lost jobs and, oh, oh, the pandemic. Let's just cover all things about the pandemic. The, the ailments to our country that are caused by tornadoes and hurricanes and storms and heat and frozen and snow and the, the temperature. We see children all over America making poor choices. We see aging and Alzheimer's and elderly not being cared for. 
we certainly see the change of the culture in how people are living and making their choices. Uh, we definitely see a very unkind strain of relationships among the public life in our world. It is no longer uncommon to hear a broadcaster, a journalist, say things that are critical or painful or hard or speaking against, out loud against someone who is a part of their team or part of their uh, journalism cohort. So we cannot serve two masters. We cannot be anxious. So what is it that you are anxious about right now? What is it that you are anxious about right now? There's a marvelous, um, long PBS, very um, accurate series right now on the life of Ernest Hemingway. I said to David, as we decided that we'd watch an episode or two, we watched the first episode, which was two hours long. Did we really want to, to watch about the life of Ernest Hemingway? Because his life was very rugged and ragged. He was and is today still counted among the top, maybe if not the top, among the top first or second authors in American history, certainly in the 20th century. But he talks to us about our culture in these books. He describes things in the culture that have come to pass as a regular part of life that in his day he was slammed against the wall for even the inference. He didn't say date rape, but he implied it, he wrote it in such a way that it was clear to see that a young woman was being taken advantage of by a man. And people rose up and said, we, we don't want to read that. We don't know, and we're not going to buy that book. But many, many rose up and bought all the books they could buy that Ernest Hemingway ever wrote. He was a great study of mankind. He himself had a rather checkered life for wives quite determined to do. It was a, a surprising piece for me to realize that there were eight people in his family of origin, his parents and six brothers and sisters, six children total. Of the eight people, half of those eight people, four of those people took their lives. And, and this is in the 1920s and the 1930s. I ask questions. I love to ask questions. In my lifetime, I've asked thousands of questions. What shall I do with my life? Who shall I marry? How shall I love the Lord? How shall I spend my money, my time, my energy? What kind of parent should I be? What kind of grandparent should I be? What kind of friend should I be? Is abortion right or wrong? And what about suicide and euthanasia? And many, many more. I have spent my life asking questions and trying to find answers for myself. I always go to the scripture for answers. Do you know this book? Do you read it devotionally as well as a study book? Women, I, I 
started to write a book that I, I didn't write it, but I, it became a lecture uh, in the days that the internet was just becoming popular. And the title of those lectures were Woman Dot Calm, C-A-L-M. Pretty clever, huh? Well, not so clever. But I remember teaching that at a conference, and I was surprised at how many of the women responded by saying that they were not calm, that they were anxious. And here I came to this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, be not anxious. And Jesus is bold enough to make it his three-point outline. Fear not. Love the Lord with all your heart. Do not steal. Do not lie. Obey. Trust and obey. Be not anxious. So how do we get to that part of the Sermon on the Mount without looking at all these other pieces? As I just said, does the Ten Commandments tell us not to steal, not to lie? Are we to love our enemies? Are we to trust and obey? Are we to obey God in all that he says? In Matthew chapter 13, we see the parable of the sower and the seeds, Matthew 13. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes fruitless. The Luke account reads, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this, this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Worry. Riches, pleasures of this life choke out the word of God and don't bring produce. These are words written in God's scripture. This is not new to you. You're worrying, your richness, your pleasures of life, the choices of life, 97 loaves of bread, not to mention, and now I think the, 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 the height of it is there used to be TV, there used to be three channels, and then there became cable, and, then there, and now there are dozens of servers that only offer certain shows. If you like a show, you may have to have that server. I, I don't understand it fully myself. All I know is that the pleasures of life are, have added a plethora of more choices. My husband looked at me and he said, we're not doing any of that. And I said, well, I understand it could be, it doesn't matter if it's more or less expensive. It is more or less expensive in our lives if we now have to choose which server has what kind of shows and what shall we do. Now, we may change our mind, but for now, we're staying with what we have and not spending any time with another choice. Jeremiah 17 and 8 says, For he will be like a tree, not anxious in a year of drought. We've been quite anxious in this last year of drought. Paul tells us to be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything with thanksgiving. And of course, we've all heard the Martha Mary message where Christ himself tells Martha, calling her name twice, probably, because she was not listening in her rush, rush, rush. You worry about so many things, but there are only a few, and one is essential, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Many years ago, during my deep and profound relationship with Elizabeth Elliot, who loved me very well and taught me very well, 
she quoted this little poem that her father used to quote to her. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these ancient human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, that's my introduction. That's where we're going with these verses that God uses. Three-point outline in be not anxious, be not anxious, be not anxious. I think it's very relevant to the 21st century, and I hope you will join me as I finish this study in Matthew, a Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. So I think you probably know what my question's going to be today, don't you? Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. And go out and make it a very uncommon day by being aware of your anxiety.